podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Looking for a new career? Welcome to Do HVAC Training Service Center in North Charleston. Enroll today in our comprehensive HVAC training hands-on field experience-based program covering troubleshooting, maintenance, installation, and more on various HVAC systems and ductwork. We offer EPA and NAIT preparation and testing along with various certifications. Enjoy payment options. Take advantage of their November specials. Achieve certification in under five months. Enroll now for your new journey of skill development and career advancement. Log on to DEWH backtrainingsc.com to inquire. G'day, I'm James. Welcome to the Australian Opinion on Formula One here at the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast. In this episode, we review the Austrian Grand Prix. And I'm joined by my friend and yours, Thomas J. Camp. G'day, mate. Hello, mate. How are you? Yes, I'm doing very well. Hey, good news a Red Bull Racing driver has won, and I'm excited about it. And it's not Max Verstappen, it's Shane Van Gisbergen because he won in NASCAR on debut. Let's go, SVG. Is there anything this man cannot do? No. Um, in fact, I would actually like to see him in a Formula One car. Sorry, Danny Rick. Let's make them slightly longer and put SVG in alongside Max Verstappen because I feel like he's the only other driver who's actually going to give Max a little bit of something to learn from. Yeah, I, I was a cracking. I, I watched the extended highlights, highlights, and uh, after a, a, a failed strategy call, he went back to 18th and then just drove through the field. So, what a cracking race! I'm going to go and watch the whole thing at some stage, but I just caught that. I got a notification that he'd won, and I was like, geez, how good's this? So, yeah, very exciting, very exciting. He's still got one more year in the V8s, which is unfortunate. He should just go straight to the. Uh, the uh, NASCAR next year, I reckon. But he said he's going to do one more in his post-race interview, one more year in Oz, and then see what happens. But I think there will be teams willing to part with boatloads of cash to get him signed and to America as soon <laughs> as possible. Boatloads being the metric unit measurement of the Lakeside <laughs> Drive F1 podcast. Uh, look, you're right. For a series that is absolutely dying in supercars, it seems ridiculous to me that he would even consider staying longer than he needs to, uh, noting just how much he has done in the last couple of years. But in saying that, he is obviously invested in that AAA engineering team uh, and making sure that he can get uh, another championship under his belt. Although what I think is really great, Campy, is that it's not the same path that we've seen Scotty McLaughlin do from one New Zealander crushing the V8s off to IndyCar and having really quite a successful time there, it has to be said, to another New Zealander going from V8s to NASCAR. What I think it does is open the door to Australian and New Zealand fanship, I suppose, or a fan base to follow these drivers across because outside of Will Power, who has been there for such a long time, and we don't really as Australians like IndyCar as much as probably we should, Something like that, like that performance by SVG is absolutely mega and it really excites us and wants us to continue to keep watching the series. Yeah, I remember when Marcus Ambrose went over, I mean, and, and he took – he didn't do as well as SVG on a, on debut, but he, he raced really well for four or five years over there and um, I think a lot of Australians, because they had that input, like us being Danny Rick fans, it gave them a reason to follow the sport. Now, Will Power's a cracking driver and – his career and legacy is firmly cemented, but he's not a big name in Australia. If you ask the average Joe Blow on the street who Will Power is, they'd be like, geez, that's a strange name, Will Power. But um, <laughs> and that's, that's not a knock on him. He just doesn't have the profile. But with guys like Scotty McLaughlin and Shane Van Gisman being in the V8s and being so dominant, those two have been in the last you know five to seven years, People know who they are just because they're always on the news or you just hear about it and it's always on TV at some stage if you've got Foxtel. So, yeah, I think it's great for the sport over there and it's good for Aussie fans because it gives them a reason to watch, just like the cricket. Well, it is. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I bet you no one's buying you uh, any beers in the pub over there at the moment, uh, Jim. <laughs> certainly not. Certainly not. Uh, I um, am very much enjoying the fact that we have won both so far. Come at me, everybody, including my brother who I'm staying with uh, here in the UK. Love that. Which is um, 
hilarious at best. It's actually, it's really great. I love that there's so much tension around cricket at the moment because everyone is playing really, really well and then really, really badly all at the same time. That is the beauty of Australian sport. We do love it. Campy, let's turn our attention to the sport of Formula One. Yes. Um, more generally, I loved this race. I absolutely loved it. And that's not just because it was on at a reasonable time here in the United Kingdom. And it is a lot easier to be a Formula One fan if you are based here um, in the motherland. But because there was significantly good action because this track is really, really good. There is a mix of jeopardy. If you think about turn four, there is a mix of trying to play it in a very clever way with the DRS um, activation line only, uh, sorry, detection zone, I should say, coming into turn uh, three, but really you have to be very, very clever with where you place yourself. Max Verstappen, very clever. Sergio Perez, idiot when it comes to being able to do that sort of stuff. So I really enjoyed this race. Uh, It was just... Like back to what we love about Formula One, I think. Well, that move you're talking about, Verstappen on uh, Leclerc, that is the composure being on the inside, knowing you're going to try and outbreak him, but to break just before the like so far before the line to keep him in head, and then put on your full braking after that line, uh, unbelievable driving, and I just credit to Max and all he's doing at the moment. Both both races this weekend dominated in the wet in a 24-lap race. He pulled out a 20-second lead on everybody else pretty easily. Um, you know, when Checo got into second, you could argue that he was 10 seconds ahead, but he put on another 12 seconds or something in, in the last 10 laps. So kudos to him, mate. The guy is a superstar, but you're right. This track, we talked about it last week before you went away. And I just said it's one of these tracks that just always produces good good racing. Uh, I think ground effect cars are really good around this track. There's a lot of moves. And uh, right across from the front, it was good to see Max come through past two Ferraris when he had to as well. So, yeah, great race, cracking race. Not the most exciting results-wise, but, um, geez, it's just one of those places, isn't it? We can't say enough good stuff yeah. about it. Is it become I, I realised how like this track's history in the sport because I said the other last week that it wasn't. It's not an iconic track when you think about F one tracks. It's not the first one to come to mind, but geez, it's got some history and it's been around a long time. So, hey, bring it on! They've just signed a deal till twenty thirty, I believe. So that's that's good for us all. Yeah, that's absolutely right, and it is good news for us and for the calendar that such a track exists. Uh, in the middle of the season too. I mean, we're going to Silverstone this weekend. We'll talk about that in just a moment as well. Uh, But let's just cover off some news, Campy, before we do a a review of this track and um, the decision to enforce track limits to such a T that it was the most – I mean, you can't – they literally cannot do anything right. They they are one direction or the other being led – incompetently by the person who absolutely stuffed up the final DTM round a couple of years ago. And apparently he is a better choice than Michael Massey. Cool. Anyway, let's talk about Alpine, shall we? And Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool is coming to save Wrexham. Sorry, I mean Alpine. Yeah, what did he buy? 22% stake in the the Alpine F1 team. So that means, what, the value of it somewhere between... $900 $900 million or something. So good investment. Yeah, it's about $700 million. Yeah, okay. All right. So good on good on him. I mean, I, I'm not really up on the whole Rexham thing, but uh, I have seen the news. Did you just say Rexham? Yes. <laughs> like a true Australian? I do, Rex. Uh, say, can you, please, can you please say Worcestershire sauce? Worcestershire. Worcestershire. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, that team's been promoted, and I know there's some stuff on Netflix about it. So there must be some commercial commercial value. And uh, with the rise of F1 in America, it's probably not a bad decision. So good on him. What does it actually mean day to day? How much money are they going to pump into it? Are they going to get rid of their two shit drivers? Like, if I'm <laughs> buying that much of his company, I want some say in the stupid decisions that that team's made. Uh, yeah, well, um, let me – let me flag some little James tinfoil conspiracy hat theories almost Ooh. immediately with you. So it is fair to say Alpine have been shit house for 
well, since Daniel left and the 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 sort of direction and Cyril, to be fair, I think since Cyril and yep. Daniel left, they've had very limited direction. Um, Laurent Rossi has called Otmar out. Um, you know, yeah, okay, they got a podium in Monaco, but that's purely because you can't get past anyone once you're in that position. So, I mean, there is some credit to Esteban and the team for putting it there, but otherwise... Yep. The team has performed incredibly poorly. They got a 10th and 14th this weekend. Esteban Ocon had about four and a half years worth of um, penalties after the race had finished. But realistically, these guys come in and they find a team that's flailing around a little bit. Wrexham FC absolutely was flailing around. They they pump in cash. They pump in sponsorship. They pump in, um, you know, the advertising ability of these names of Ryan Reynolds and et al., so it means Alpine's not performing up towards the top. Ryan et al. has come along and gone, ah, oh, here's a team that's not as good as it should be, <laughs> which is from an Alpine point of view, they're probably like, oh, that's not so feeling so good. Maybe we could invest a little bit here, bring something else and, you know, all these partnerships and social media content ideas and everything else. But the drivers are just a little bit lacking. Now, who is a driver who needs a, who needs a seat for next year who has incredible commercial value, Thomas J. Camp? Oh, Daniel Ricciardo. Mm, here it Mick comes. Here comes ja- how, can, how can James put Daniel Ricciardo back into Formula One next year? <laughs> <laughs> That's this episode already. Well, I hear what you're saying, but F1 is not, what, a fifth-tier football club where, I mean, soccer no, Alpine is. Sorry. Soccer and football are one thing. Like F1 is a completely different beast. There are so many variables in this sport compared to football and soccer. In soccer, you can do what the Saudis did and just buy Manchester City, spend a couple of billion dollars on players and get some titles. You can replicate that with a team like Wrexham with solid investment. And it's good for the players because it builds their brand, so the players are buying in as well. F1 is not Wrexham FC. Alpine is not that. They are an OEM. They have been in Formula 1 for a long time. They've had success with Renault Motors. And you cannot take that same principle of buying that sporting club and then try and come in to replicate F1. The decisions you make now will not be on track for six months. And if you get it wrong first time, you are constantly playing catch-up. So I don't see how an actor is an actor and his mate who have done some good business deals over there are going to improve the on-track drivability of that Alpine and their results and a championship. It's just not going to happen. The smartest well, people in the worse. world design these cars. They work at NASA and work on rockets or they work on F1 cars. So mm. what, what what's he going to do? Yes, they'll bring a bit of hype. They might get a new TV show out of it with some stories behind the factory. They might add some commercial value, but other than that, I can't see that translating to on-track performance. But well, if I had that, that sort of money, bring, I'd probably buy myself an F1 team too. So The thing that they will bring is sponsors and cash, and I think that is the more long-term view of where – I mean, Alpine are not performing. The smartest minds in the world are not as smart as Adrian Newey. That's just the end of it. You know, We've seen pretty significant losses of performance across some very intelligent people. Look yeah. at Mercedes as – the very obvious option. Anyway, let's let's keep going. That that'll be a thing that'll play out in the future. The one thing that I will say on that is Eddie Jordan thinks it's fake news. Um, let's let's talk about <laughs> DR. Oh, love Eddie um, Jordan. Let's talk about DR because there has been quite an, a bit of press, certainly leading into this weekend, Campy, about this link now to AlphaTauri. Although the seat uh, AlphaTauri seemed to think would be going to someone like Liam Lawson. Um, which is fair enough. He's doing amazing yeah. things in Super Formula this year and probably deserves a seat in Formula One more so than the likes of Nick DeVries. Um, but Daniel is being linked. Now, obviously, with Sergio's performance in the last couple of weekends, not necessarily the race, but certainly the sprint and then the qualifying days, yeah. of course, we saw, there is now a lot of pressure swirling around Checo Perez, isn't there? Yeah, well, I mean, we said I gave him an off last week and I wasn't. Brutal on him. You can have a thing like Monaco where you qualify at the back and unfortunately it's at Monaco so you can't pass. But for three races after Monaco, 
to not get into Q1 with that car. I mean, I understand there's some traffic conditions, but that's four races in a row on the trot that he's shit the bed, which has compromised his chance at winning a world championship, which is never going to happen, not in a million years. You could replay this same thing on a computer and it would happen maybe once in 40 million computer trials. So, look, he's under pressure. I think he's feeling it. I think a good race weekend. Like this weekend, he's just had in the race last night, might set him up for a bit of a better headspace, but he still came third. He should be second on the grid with maybe 10 seconds behind Max. That's the reality, and he's not performing at the moment. And I think the worse it gets, I think the more he feels the pressure, the worse and worse it's going to get. And so, uh, yeah. look, Danny Rick coming back into Red Bull, look, it's going to be awesome next year. Jeez. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. We're just going to start. We're just going to start talking like it's already a done deal, which yeah. is absolutely up my alley. I think he might even get it. He might even get a drive at Alpha Tauri this year. Yeah, look, potentially. Either Up way, Red Bull have a driver to replace Nick DeVries. If that's Sergio Perez, Daniel Ricciardo, I mean, Owasa is doing a fantastic job in Formula 2 as well. I know we've been saying there's not a lot of you know, exciting talent, but when he does well, it is actually quite exciting to watch. He's a he's a good yeah. little driver. It's the consistency, which is not such a big thing. The consistency is not across from, the board anywhere. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but Liam Lawson, I think, probably out of all of those people in terms of a shot in Formula 1, deserves that seat. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how that all plays out. Let's talk about Austria now, Campy, and start with the anthem, which, again... <laughs> I mean, we hear it quite often considering, you know, Red Bull wins everything. Um, but full orchestra featuring the instrument of the piece de resistance, the thing that is the coolest instrument in the world, the guitar. <laughs> I actually didn't see it, so you'll have to talk us ah, through this one. <laughs> no, no. So full orchestra, full orchestra. There are timpanis on track. There are horns. There are strings. There's a woodwind section, and at the back, my my absolute favourite <laughs> performer since we've been doing this podcast, and that's including old mate metal guitar anthem man, is rocking out on a guitar. Um, it was an absolute sight to be seen. Time on target though for a flyover. We did have a flyover. The Red Bull Air Force or whatever you want to call them um, came over with their historic collection. Was absolutely f- fantastic. They're a little early, but we'll forgive them that because at least there was a flyover. Yeah, uh, it was just all over. Starting off on incredibly the right note, Campy. Excellent. Well, one of my favourite bands actually uses a guitar. So it's a it's a good thing. Steely Dan, if you've if you've heard of them, not so <laughs> new anymore, but they rock it occasionally. Yeah, look, great Steely race, Dan. Great race. I'll, I'll have to go back and watch it. I'm sorry I can't give the anthem review. That's one of my favourite parts of this show. But well, I'm giving it a ten out of ten. Good it's, to hear. it's just that I'll, I'm covering it for you. All right, let us go through our full team by team analysis as we always do on the podcast. We're going to start at the very back of the pack. Unfortunately, with Haas, yeah, the DNF with Nico Hulkenberg, who outside of this race was absolutely flying through the sprint weekend. Yeah, hey, look, I think I texted you during the sprint race and asked if you were watching. And, you uh, did. Oh, geez, I was excited. Got up to P2, qualified strongly. And uh, uh, look, we've seen that from Hulk. And in these changing conditions, which we saw in both qualifyings, uh, it's a, just a great evener across, even it evens out the playing field. So, yeah, great result for him. Qualified well in the race. I mean, he ran second up to what? Lap, lap ten or something, and then started get smoked as the uh, as the track dried up. But he used a lot of his tyres as well. I would have loved to see, you know, the the change between the uh, the intermediate and the draws come out two or three laps beforehand because I think it could have really helped him if he made the decision a yeah. bit earlier. But um, I mean, I think it was uh, George Russell who was the first guy to do it, and which sort of got everyone else. Put everyone else going. But I was just – I wanted him to get a podium. I want him to perform. want him to do well. Unfortunately, his car is just not where it needs to be. And, uh, yeah, what, 10 laps in? He had to retire last night too. So, yeah, shame. But, hey, good things for us. They've got things to be excited about. You know, how often do you see them 
how often do you see him up the front of the field? So, and Nico's done it a few times this year. Unfortunately, the race pace is just not there. But lots to work on and lots to look forward to. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they're very good on their tyres in terms of when the pace continues and others around, you know, on similar strategies. They can't get it together. And it's unfortunate, isn't it, Campy? Because last year, new regulations, and this is kind of always the way with Ferrari power unit customer teams, at the start of a new set of regulations tend to go quite well. And then as everyone else progresses, they just can't seem to get it together. And I think I'm starting to agree with you in terms of out of the driver pairing, Hulkenberg being absolutely the strongest compared to K-Mag. Because K-Mag just... I don't know what it is, but he can't seem to quite tie it all together. There is a mixture of bad luck. Of course, qualifying pace is one thing, and if the car's not there, then it's not there. But when Hulk is kind of constantly out-qualifying you by a significant margin, meaning that you're out generally in Q1 or Q2, when you come into Turn 1 at almost any track, you're going to come across some trouble like he did he get squeezed you have to slow down or stop altogether of course which when the front markers have already disappeared up the road um it's very hard to then get back from but this team as a whole really they're kind of in a little bit of no man's land i think because they should they deserve better they're currently sitting seventh in the championship with 11 world championship points with mclaren in six ahead of them on 29 points so it's unlikely they're going to be able to catch mclaren it's really now defending seventh from alfa romeo williams and AlphaTauri. Yeah, yeah. My question to you is: Is would would an established team or another team look at Hulkenberg after the performance he's had thus far? Yeah, I think it's a good question because every team historically, haven't they, has had either the up and coming superstar and an experienced driver. Yeah. Or they've had at least Mike. You know, they've had Michael Schumacher and Rubens Barrichello. So if Michael's not there, Rubens can absolutely get the job done. Um, it's hard, obviously, being number two driver. That's why many people probably said no to Ferrari. David Coulthard comes to mind in terms of someone who did that as well because you don't want to be a number two on paper. But if that's your best in life and your lot in life and potentially the ability to have a podium, then maybe he is a, is a good option. Let's not forget, if Lewis Hamilton said no to Mercedes' offer, he was the number two choice to go in that car alongside Nico Rosberg. So there would have yep. been a double Nico German Mercedes team. Um, but the real question is, where does he go when you've got other established drivers like Bottas on the grid as well, who are not equally not having a great time at the moment, but is still you know an absolute proven race winner? I think he'd be great pairing with someone like Albon at at Williams. Yeah. I think uh, he's driven for Williams before, so not that I think that matters, but he's someone that I think it's easier to keep on the grid than not. But it's just where what team would actually want to take him because clearly he's not past his best, but he's he's got some unfavourable records like longest (laughs) – however many races without a podium. So interesting. He'd be probably good at Alpine if you're going to ditch one of those drivers. But to go back. again, he's driven for Renault before. So he's got it. In my, I want to see him up, but I can't see him getting into a top four team. But I think you're right, though, in terms of him staying around. I mean, he spent three years out of the sport and then came back again. You know, this is not – this doesn't happen very and often. F1 and goes think- in trends too. Yeah. Know? The yep. trend is old at the moment. We've got Fernando performing. Lewis is going to be around until he's 50, until he can't drive anymore, until he walks away. Danny Rick will come back next year and pants him all. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's good. No, but it's good for guys like Hulk who never really got their shot at a top team for whatever reason. But also we don't see a lot of him in, you know, pre-race broadcasting or anything else that he's sort of one of those drivers kind of like K-Maker. Maybe it's just the team more generally that uh, yeah. just doesn't end up getting a lot of airtime and that's kind of a shame. Well, it, it's like that though. How, how many times do we see Sergeant or DeVries? Well, that's this? true. Although Sergeant was running in the points at one point yesterday, which I was very enthused by. I mean, this is a car that works really well. Alex Albon showed it. But yes, anyway, we'll, we'll get to Williams in a moment. Um, it's a shame for Haas that, that the the fact that the power unit failed in race day, the excitement of the sprint race as well for for Hulkenberg, and you can only imagine how Gunther was feeling on the wall too. But 
there are some good things to be seen here and the and the season is far from over. We've got potential for still an amazing result. Yep. Well, let's hope it hope it happens. Let's get a race where it's lot like Spa. Let's get it. Absolutely bucketing down at the top, bone dry down the bottom. And uh he makes they're gonna have to do three pit stops to change for conditions and he makes all the right decisions at the right time and a lap to go, he's in the lead and brings it home. That'd be awesome, right? Yeah, that would be bloody fantastic. Let's talk about AlphaTauri now. Uh, DeVries did finish ahead of his teammate in Yuki Sonoda, but that's because uh, Sonoda finished 19th, the last of the runners. DeVries finished 17th, and Sonoda had about four years' worth of penalties associated with him too. Uh, this is a he team, did. Campy, by all accounts, that is um, going to throw out the current design philosophy for next year, Helmut Marco starting to uh, to drop hints that they will start following Red Bull's design path for next year, which might see them start to have a little bit of the success that they did under Pierre Gasly's um, leadership when he went back after Red Bull. Good. In what world? Why would you own two Red – why would you own two F1 teams if the junior team or the sister team is not there to complement the other? It just baffles – doesn't make sense. They got the same power units this year or different? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's good. So, yeah, look, good on them. Good. Make the call. Make them a true sister team. Yes. And make them a team that's on par with Red Bull. Yeah, good. Because Alpha Tower is a rubbish name. Now that Dietrich's gone, (laughs) I think everyone's like, okay, good. We can get rid of this. I prefer Toro Rosso. Well, when Yuki was asked, do you think, do you know, have any name suggestions or um, any idea what it's going to be? And he quipped back, I quite like Toro Rosso. Um, so it would be good to just take it back to what it was. Um, just quite literally call it Red Bull. Um, Unfortunately for Yuki not- too, Yuki had some problems on lap one. Outbraked himself yes. into a four after contact on one. You can see yep. how much like when that, when the downforce is removed off the front wing, did you see the run he had down that back straight? Um, but but like, that wasn't a front wing issue. That was a he just was on the brakes way too late. I don't think the the error. I think if he had tried to go around the outside, you know, under braking, it could have affected him. But he didn't get to that point because he just was. Oh, I think he, he braked himself too. But I think when yeah. you remove the downforce off the front of the car, you actually see how quickly these things can go in comparison to everyone yeah. else. It was a good start from him, though. He was very hungry to get away from the back of the pack, wasn't he? Yeah, I think oh, it's their home race as well. So, um, look, um, look, unfortunate. I think he's had a good year. He's been pretty consistent. Um, but when, when you drive and, and you qualify, not when you, when you are not on the front two rows, you inevitably get dragged into some sort of contact and drama just because you're racing with so many more people around you and with cars that are better and even and, you know, it just creates it creates more issues than it does when you success. So he's allowed to have an off weekend. As for his teammate, I'm not sure it matters where he came and finished in front of him anyway. So, Yeah. Do you think a decision has already been made by Helmut Marco oh, and do mate. you think we'll see a mid-season swap? Yes, Marco's ruthless. He made his decision up three weeks ago, but for the sake of him holding some face and giving him some chances and, you know, dealing with the the off-track mental health issues for some drivers and the problems that they have in this day and age, it's a different world than what it was 20 years ago where they just cut you after you know, three poor performances and you're gone. I think they handle it a bit differently, but uh, interesting that uh, uh, Helmet actually came out and said um, Horner wasn't sold on him. Thought that was mm. very interesting comment. So is that just politics, or is that just him talking well, about the inevitable whatever's coming? Yeah, I mean, who knows, right? It, it, you can also sort of always have that kind of conversation about well, this person was keen, this person wasn't keen potentially, but at the end of the day. Um, it almost doesn't matter who they were, keen or not. They judged performance based on one round where the car suited specifically that circuit in the Williams and Monza, um, and then they've they've had you know hedged their bets against it. Now, 
you know, Nick is a great driver. You know, he does have a um, Formula E World Championship under his belt. He's got a Formula 2 World Championship under his belt, like many, many others. But it's just unfortunate that he clearly can't get to grips with his car. This car is also an absolute dog. It's like the McLaren from last year. It's all it's like the McLaren from the first part of this season um, before upgrades to at least Lando Norris's car. It just isn't performing and that doesn't look stable for either yep. driver to have a really good time with it. Uh, let's talk about Afro Man now. Uh, Valtteri Bottas finishing in 15th. Joe Guanyu finishing in 12th. Um, I think Joe, one of the only drivers to not have a black and white flag for exceeding track limits. Um, just says he's there not is driving a lot of, hard enough. Well, is it or is it just saying that he's actually a driver that can see the, the dimensions of the car and keep it within the rules? Yeah. Could take it either way, couldn't you? Potato, <laughs> potato. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to fix this issue with track limits, Jim. Just remove track limits it. altogether and just who cares? Put a big freaking concrete wall there and call it the Austrian <laughs> Wall of Champions <laughs> and see yeah. how many people hit it then. It just removes... All of the BS that we put up with all weekend about track limits and what the actual regulation is and what it's not and, you know, yeah. just put a brick wall there. It'll make it heaps more fun to watch. I think we just remove track limits altogether. Um, you either have it or you don't. And historically, we've never had this level of intense looking at track limits here. And if everyone's doing it, well, then then fine. You know, change the circuit to make <laughs> to allow that. Or just keep it to be a thing because it is just so ridiculous to me. We haven't really touched on this yet, but it's so ridiculous to me that hours later we're still having updates from the FIA stewards based on a change in in performance. Uh, sorry, change in in how the, the finishing order plays out. Yeah, we cannot continue. We can't continue with- to have this. He's and he ended up in sixth. Ridiculous. So you know. There's just, there's to me, there is not enough, you know, there's too many rules and then there's not enough rules and people will make quick decisions which are stupid, but at least a decision has been made. And then they take their sweet time to make decisions afterwards. In terms of growth of the sport and and where, you know, we talk about constantly, where is the future of this sport? And what about the fan base? This new activated fan base that a drive to survive for a lot of the drama that happens off track more so than on it. You can't afford to keep having races where this happens, you know, an hour, two hours after the fact and they decide to change their minds about the order because there's been over a thousand instances of cars leaving the track, inverted commas, over the course of that race distance and they're having to go through every single one to manually process it. Like even the stewards said, Campy, we need a solution to this. This is ridiculous. Well, I mean, you add it up, what, 20 cars on the grid, 70 laps each, what, uh, two cars, what? So that's 1,400 angles they've got to look at over the two. So there's almost, it's double that because they're looking at the last two turns really for track limits. Everywhere else is, you know, you can get away with it. So 2,800, it's a big amount. I can understand why they probably got a bit of a, a bit of a, but don't we have sensors for this stuff to set stuff off anyway? So, what does that matter? But then it's got to be reviewed, though, right? It it sets it off, Ugh. and then it's it's marked. But then the stewards have to review it, as we saw plenty of times yesterday. There was a box that appeared saying, um, "You know, stewards under investigation." Whatever Pierre Gasly for exceeding track limits, that kind of stuff. Because you know, all of the data has been he's had three goes, black and white flag, and then. They have to review it to make sure that the penalty is given properly. Times that by, you know, 20 drivers and then lap times tumbling towards the 107 where Max finished up. Like, it's just ridiculous. So where do we – how do we fix it? How do we fix it? I just I just think it's, it's different in a race. It. It's just not worth – track limits, you can maybe apply it in qualifying if you really want to get around that. But when everyone is – traveling in the same way like if yes okay if there is an advantage to be taken by leaving the track that much to then sweep into the final straight then just allow everyone to do it if it guarantees the result i mean you can i mean slightly in two minds about it because the rules are the rules but the same token if the rules are ridiculous like they are in this instance and it affects the outcome heavily and multiple cars and multiple drivers have infractions and have up to, I mean, 
Ocon had 30 seconds worth of penalties applied post-race. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So, so I just, did, you know. Where, where did Ocon finish on track? He finished. Oh, who knows? I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. I but couldn't there tell is, you. He's 14th. There is gravel. There is gravel on the outside of that turn, right? So if you go too wide, you're going to hit the gravel and it's all over. Guess there's a curb there, so we're allowed to run over every other curb in the world. I just don't understand why they chose to pick this particular track to go full spanner on it. So <laughs> Full spanner? Love that. I was going yeah, to use well, another word, but. Yes, I'm glad yeah, you didn't. Uh, I'm very, very well done. This is what happens when we're remote. Um, Baltery Vottas, yeah, sure. Um, he finished Bal- in fifteenth. Um, yeah, con- continuing to have a no good, very bad time is our mate Valtteri. It's very difficult to watch. He um, he, he managed got caught to, up on that incident on lap one too. Yeah, he didn't have a good time into lap one, into turn one rather on lap one as well. Which is a shame. All right, let's talk about Williams now, Campy. Logan Sargent, 13th. Uh, Albon, 11th, of course. Where do they finish on track? Who knows? Um, but Albon, for quite a while then, had a really good run. I, I'm disappointed for him to have not secured points this weekend. In fact, I do actually think he uh, crossed the line in first. But otherwise, as you said last week, he is starting to really come together, isn't he, as a driver and the team are able to put it around him in terms of the car and what he likes. Yeah, this track's got like a particularly, you know, turn one through to turn four. It's got some long straights, so it suits the characteristics of this car. And when I, what I saw of him too is a bit like in Canada on those last few laps where he's compromising his his uh, mid-corner speed so he can get a better exit out of the hairpin. He was doing that a lot out of particularly one and, and three so that he – you know, using his car's abilities to be super slick through the air and 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 try and get a gap on these guys. So yeah, good draw from him. He's just been one of those really solid guys. I think um, he's really cementing his spot. He comes with great reputation. Unfortunately for him, he's had his shot at Red Bull and it didn't work out for whatever reasons. But he should have had a couple of wins there too. So we'd be looking him looking at him as a very different driver. I think if he'd had those couple of wins at Red Bull, one of them at this track, um, but his his future looks bright. I think I think he could be a, a, a checko that in four or five years he gets that chance at a top drive again, and someone takes a punt and uh, gets there. So exciting for him. Yeah, and I think generally he is a good person to have on the grid. He seems to be super kind. You know, he yeah. works well with the media. He works well with the team. He gets on really well with the other drivers by all accounts. So. You know, I think he is one of those people that deserves to be on the Formula One grid. Logan Sargent, he is starting to get to grips with the car. I mean, the car is starting to get better as well. Yep. Um, but he's still in his rookie season. We're almost at the mid-season break now. I think we're probably – it's unlikely he's going to be replaced, obviously, mid-season. No, but we were years. talking last week about – uh, Mick Schumacher coming into that Williams team. But, of course, once that seat opens up, there could be a number of other interested people too, noting just how, you know, the forward momentum that this Williams team now has. Yeah, look, uh, look, for me, it's still qualifying. Like These these young guys, sorry, no, I'm not including Piastri in this because he had some issues, which we'll get to, but qualifying every time they're up the back. They're occupying two of the last three positions, if not the last two, which is the tell for me is when push comes to shove and they've got to drive it on the absolute limit, they can't do it and they can't compete with their teammates in a respectable way. So, yes, time will tell and the more seat time they get, the better they'll they'll become over time. And we've seen guys that, you know, like Yuki and, you know, with two seasons under the belt going into their third, they are – genuinely becoming regulars and they, they they can drive. I just don't think he'll get the full two or three years that he needs or probably wants in order to do it, which is a shame for him, but he'll finish out the season and hopefully he gets better because um, we can't we can't want to kick everybody out because they, you know, we don't like them, but um yeah, I no, that's that's exclusively re, um, reserved for this next driver and this next team. Let's look at Alpine. Gasly, 10th points. Ocon, 14th. Um, two 10-second two, two penalties um, for Ocon. 
uh, towards the end there. Uh, as we sort of talked about a little bit at the very beginning of this episode, talking about the uh, Ryan Reynolds et al investment as part of a bigger firm, the team isn't really performing as well as they should, obviously. Um, maybe that will help. But realistically, uh, this is still really poor territory for an OEM to be performing like this, uh, Gasly at least getting a point for the squad. Well, I mean, they've got eight cars that are better on them that should be t- occupying those top eight slots with the exception of Norris this weekend. I mean, they are at the moment that fifth best team. So they should be getting those ninth and tenth spots. Anything more from more than that for them is a bonus. Um, look, the, we if they want to move up the grid, they're going to have to make some changes. But you know, as for the drivers, they can only play the hand that's dealt to them, right? And if they got a crappy hand because they got a crappy car, they're going to try and extract the most out of it. I think Ocon's had a better year than Gasly. Um, I don't think. I don't. I don't think anyone really expected Gasly to be as bad as he has. Well, not as good as he has been. I thought everyone expected him to, you know, beat Ocon pretty solidly and and move on. I mean, Ocon would have with twenty seconds, he would have finished in the points and then got knocked back. So I can't remember if he beat Gasly on track, but I mean, Gasly had a shocking qualifying too. So he was out in Q one, I believe, or maybe fifteenth off the top of my head. So. Look, the car's not there. The car's clearly better over a race distance, probably. But um, hey, it's just I don't, I don't really know what to say about them. They got to get better, and they can't drop back. But they are genuinely midfield contenders. So the two or three points that are open to them each week is not much in the scheme of world championship. So all right, we're going to pay our dial-up bills so we can continue doing this podcast. We'll be back in just a moment. As a major research institution, Arizona State University offers the most online bachelor's degree programs, along with world-class faculty and dedicated support. Discover why ASU is ranked number one in innovation for nine consecutive years. Tap to learn more. Okay, we've refreshed the connection, uh, made sure that mum and dad are off of the phone so we can continue the internet goodness uh, for this review of the Austrian Grand Prix. Let's talk about Mercedes. Uh, we had Lewis Hamilton in eighth, um, Snitchy McSnitchface, and we had George Russell in seventh, and who knows what he is doing. He is a, he is a driver that is really just fading into obscurity for me, Campy. What do you think? Well, that's what happens when you get a crap car, right? Move to the uh, top team and, you know, he's got yep. a bit of a Lonzo about his timing. Mm. They, the car clearly didn't suit this track. It wasn't them. They struggled. Lewis particularly struggled with race pace because he put himself in better positions than Russell did this weekend on track, particularly early on. I think Hamilton was up to fourth and really wanted to try and compete with the Ferraris. But, um, yeah, I'll put that one down to this not being their racetrack and it doesn't suit their car very well. So... Russell into oblivion. He came out and said he was better than Lewis Hamilton as a driver in an interview. I don't know how long ago it was from. He said, right now I'm better than Lewis. I was like, geez, mate, that's that's a bloody big call. You're not dominating mm. him. Lewis is starting to get that. Right, I'm ready to. After that podium anyway, he had a couple of weeks ago, he's just starting to look like he's getting back on his game. And it's all right for him to check out for half a season if he's got a crap car after, you know, the dominance that they've had in that period. That's just his mindset. So, again, I think if that was a world championship winning car, Lewis would be a very different driver to the one he is at the moment. So, I mean, once once the helmet goes on, he's still trying as hard as he can. It's probably out of the, tra- out of the car stuff that he's not really concentrating on. He, it just seems like Lewis is going through the motions a bit. So... Yeah, I think that's probably fair enough. I mean, the team is going through the motions a bit, aren't they? Yeah. They yeah. brought upgrades. They finally had side pods, all of this stuff. And there was some initial success with that, absolutely. The Spanish Grand Prix showing that as as well as the Canadian Grand Prix, that there was a pace to be found. But yet again, we come to the conclusion that Adrian Newey is a god amongst men when it comes to designing a race car and is 
designing a car that is clearly dominant in any kind of track and in any kind of format. Um, And Mercedes were beaten on track fair and square by a McLaren this weekend. That is an embarrassing thing for them to try and deal with, it has to be said. Uh, What else? I mean, sorry, another team that I think probably lacking in some pace that is surprising now as Aston Martin seems to be dropping off a little bit and maybe this is track specific to this for this track as well but Fernando Alonso finished in fifth although not a bad outing from him or showing and Lance Stroll in ninth um I'm not sure if you saw this campy but Lance sort of was resting his hand a couple of times through the lap and you know and stretching his fingers out taking it off the steering wheel that wrist of his maybe not as strong as yours thank you um <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> I play double bass. That's why my wrist is so strong. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, look, he, well, we know he had that injury, right? He's probably just got a bit of lactic acid build up in there, and that's all it is he's, as he's re-getting the strength and the muscles coming back. That's probably what it is. But, yeah, look, I'll put it down to track specific. I mean, they had a good battle in the sprint race. Stroll and Alonso. Alonso clearly had more pace than him. He just didn't quite have enough oomph behind him to get past. Um, And that's the first time Stroll's really beaten Alonso all year. Uh, Didn't qualify as well this weekend, so I'm putting it down to track specific. They'll be back. Wait till Silverstone. Alonso will be on the podium again, so it's exciting for my team yeah it is a your team for your dad's team um it is a home race for them only up the road the factory the campus um exciting to see that i'm looking forward to seeing only exclusively fernando alonso hats and no lance stroll hats as i walk around on the friday um mclaren wow talking about them this far up the order yeah. uh yeah all all of my hats all of them off Lando norris's performance this weekend stellar drive by him he does like this circuit the circuit has been kind to him his first podium formula one was given here after a time for the time penalty for for hamilton i think after the albon incident way back when and um i think what it shows oscar piastri finished in 16th although some stuff happened to him qualifying pace maybe thomas j camp these upgrades for mclaren are actually going to help maybe not all tracks but in some tracks bring them towards where they uh they were in 2019 Great, great, great for McLaren. Good result for Lando. You could see his frustration this year because he clearly hasn't had the uh, the car beneath him. Unfortunate for Piastri. I'll tell you what, mate, that dude put it on third in qualifying and he did it all like the, the, the qualifying for the main race. I didn't watch qualifying for the sprint, but the main race, he put these laps and he'd be in the top three. So he put it on third and then, you know, went into the pits and that was his session done with two minutes to go. And unfortunately, there was 15 other guys that went quicker as the track evolution came up. I mean, we saw the track evolution. Guys were improving by, you know, second and a half in in that last three minutes. So it was a shame for him to miss out because I think he had some genuine pace this weekend. And he was matching times with Lando really consistently too, which is good. You know, I follow him closely as well because he's, you know, he's an Aussie and we're, we're trying to get behind him like we do Danny Rick. But um, good news. And and with the differences in the, um, in you know, the upgrades that Lando had this weekend that Oscar had, I think Oscar would be pretty happy with his, with his overall pace, not with the results of what happened. But, um, yeah, good for the team. When hopefully, hopefully it carries over to the rest of the tracks. So we've got another, you know, we've generally, genuinely got five teams or four teams in the Ferrari, Mercedes, Aston Martin, and McLaren that are genuinely fighting. And then you get Alpine in there, uh, sorry, Alpine in there, you know, as that, as that fifth car other than the Red Bulls that should be fighting for points every weekend. I think it's just all the better for us. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, it is good to see Oscar still happy in the team and, you know, he's, he's put his head down and he's getting some performances. I think t- uh, team principals and um, people who make decisions on where drivers go will be looking at his progression with keen interest, Campy. I mean, he is uh, certainly a future world champion, just in the way that Daniel Ricciardo and Mark Webber both were as well. Um, hopefully he can convert one this time. Uh, let's keep going. Talk about Ferrari. Ferrari, have some pace. Finally, yep. Leclerc was able to keep within 
um, some kind of distance to Max Verstappen through qualifying runs. Of course, not in the race pace because no one can when it comes to Max, not even Sergio Perez. Uh, but he finished second. Carlos Sainz finished in sixth. And Carlos Sainz is worried about the being intimidated by Sergio Perez. Really? Did you not hear that radio message? Oh, Look, have a look into it, guys. Oh, Perez, he's in my mirror, is intimidating me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what? Right. Sorry. I does. No, I still don't remember that. Maybe I dozed off for a couple of laps. Um, yeah, Ferrari. Mate, Sons has been on it the last few races, uh, particularly when Leclerc's bad luck, you know, the last few, not getting some good results. He was on it this weekend too. Um, unfortunately for him, he... Didn't get the start that he that he needed on Leclerc, which probably compromised him. But um, oh look, oh, I was impressed with the Ferrari this weekend. Um, to get a second to beat a Red Bull, we got to be happy with that. Albeit he was starting really far behind, but hey, good good for the team, good for the organisation. Um, again, could be track specific, maybe that we see this outright pace. Um, but, hey, they beat a Red Bull this weekend, so good. And Sainz, unlucky with the penalties and whatnot. It's a pain in the ass. Mm. How was that qualifying? Um, I think it was mm. the sprint race on the replay, you know, or whatever it was. He, they had to fix an issue in the in the car and he just went straight out, Q2 put, or Q3, you know, one lap, Q2, just put it on, put it on, had the fast time for that particular session. So, I mean, look good on him. I think it's awesome. I think Ferrari, yep. yeah, good weekend for them. Yeah, and they didn't catch on fire this weekend like they did last year for Carlos, so that's always a positive, I think. For, they still shit the bed in those double stack pit stops. Two, four yeah, seconds. I can understand the second car being four seconds, but Leclerc's pit stop for four. What a joke. Well, uh, if I'm a driver, I'm seething. I would be seething driving into that, being held up. Oh, what a nightmare. It doesn't doesn't bode well. This is a classic Ferrari thing, though. They never are good at getting everything right. A team, though, that is good at getting everything right is Red Bull. And of course, Max Verstappen finishing in first and Sergio Perez finishing in third. At least he's back on the podium. There was uh, a little bit of um, uncomfortable conversation going on after the qualifying session between Max and Sergio for the sprint. Uh, Christian Horner even coming out basically saying like this this guy needs to start putting it where the car is he's on the fastest in the fastest car on the grid um and it's uh, it's not really the performance that he or us as a team want to be seeing so we spoke a little bit about that pressure early on but let's talk about the positives for him though he did finish on the podium so he was able to get some passing done not in the yep. same genius way that we saw Max Verstappen who has now had a break between leading the longest period of laps or something like 270-odd laps since Miami, um, which is just to show his domination, I suppose, in this sport. But more of the same, I suppose, for Red Bull. They're sort of on that cruise control now setting of Max just being dominant at everything. Well, the start of the sprint race is interesting because Checo got the jump and then, <laughs> then, then Checo put Max on the grass on that you know, through turn two. It's not really a turn. It's just a kink. Put him on the grass. But then Max just sent it up the inside and uh, just locked up and they didn't make contact. But Perez is like, what's going on here? So they had some words after the race and I don't think Checo was too happy and Max is just like, hang on a minute, you put me on the grass. You didn't give me any room. So it wasn't dirty racing. It was just one of those cheeky Max moves. If Max had a pulled that on Danny Rick, I would have been a bit frustrated, but it's Checo, so I'm not super fussed about it, but it's good entertaining TV. It, it Look, he didn't want to fight him or anything, but you could see they were having a chat, and you could just tell that Checo was a bit annoyed about it because he did everything right off the start in the sprint race. So anyway, yeah, good. Came through the pack. Probably, probably should have got second with that car. I mean, you look at the gap that Max put on everybody, had, what, a 25-second lead and then decided to pit for the fastest lap. <laughs> when you look at the pace comparably, I know Checo's, Checo's coming through traffic and he's got a bit more to deal with, but, geez, he should still be coming second regardless. That If Max is putting 20 seconds on it, on Leclerc, uh, you know, and... Remember, Max passed Leclerc after 35, lap, you know, 35 laps in, so half race distance. That's 25 seconds over half a race. 
you know, the pace is in that car for Checo to get second, but he just didn't get it, in my opinion. So I'm just trying to just jump all over him at the moment because I really want Danny Rick in the uh, in the seat. So any, <laughs> any public pressure I can put on Checo mm. and get the listeners talking about it, the, the better for us, Jim. Mm. If do you agree with Campy, let us know on the Discord. Go to the general chat area and think and let me know. Do you think Checo is going to be replaced uh, at the end of the year by Daniel Rick or maybe by someone else? Um, of course, it's going to be by Daniel. How silly of you to think about anybody else. Uh, well, that's our team-by-team team analysis done and dusked. Let's now go to our Discord comment of the week. And now it's time for the Discord comment of the week. And we have three Discord comments of the week from the same person in rapid fire succession. It was also voted uh, by a couple of you who um, <laughs> brought my attention to it. So very good. It comes from Still Nugget. Here's the three, one of which maybe not quite as politically correct, but we'll go with it anyway. Um, he says, we have a Trent G and a Tina G in here with just a little bit. We might get a Gina G. Uh, I'll show myself out, he says. Also, he says that Oscar had a worse ex- worse Austrian experience than the Von Trapps, and credit where credit's due there, Lando, you snitch. Uh, well done. Um, and thanks to all of you for being so engaged over on our Discord server for the entirety of that race. It really is very, very brilliant to see. Hope Hillary had a great time in New York at that pub too. That looked like she was going to have a bit of a big weekend in New York, so exciting <laughs> for her. Is it is there a small weekend to be had in New York? I don't think that's allowed. I think it's against the law to have small weekends uh, in New York. Let's go to our fantasy team name competition. And where is well, there's some updated names after my request from last name <laughs> from last week. Sorry. <laughs> I'm all over the place at the moment. Um, here are some of my favourites. Uh, Tosta La Vista, um, Mag of Slappin. Um, it's always sunny in Enstone in reference to the uh, Wrexham FC doco going Grimace. There's a reference to this new Grimace milkshake that's uh, in McDonald's in the US. Um, must change name for James. Yes, thank you. You must and you have. Well done. Thank you. Um, here you go. <laughs> Here is um, here's one which I'm not going to read out the the code, but it's uh, search it, um, and it is a uh, the Simpsons scene of the Canadian boy saying, "They think I'm slow, eh?" <laughs> Very good. Very good. It's multi multi layered deep in there. I had to go and search for it. Ryan Renault uh, Reynolds. Um, which or Renault's? Ah, it's like uh, very good. Um, Deadpool to save my team. Beef Strolganoff. Um, Stroll stock dump and Van Wilder Alp- Alpine liaison. Um, all very, very good. The top three out of the Austrian Grand Prix. Uh, look, I checked this before everything else was finalized. So it's Hamilton of excuses, 496 points. Debris on track, 493. And Tosta La Vista with 465. All up, though. Oh, it's good news. Campy is no longer on first or in second. He is third. Kirstone in first with 2,892 points. Hamilton of excuses, 2,837. And third, the prophet has spoken, exclamation mark, 2,836 points. Well, that's it for this episode of Lakeside Drive. For the review, of course, the British Grand Prix is coming up this weekend in Silverstone. I will be there on Friday and I believe Freya will be there on Saturday. So if you're around and you see us wandering around, please make sure you say hello. Uh, it would be great to see some of you if you're able to make it. Um, Campy, it is the home... In 90 minutes, it's many, also... Many oh, good God. Sorry, in 90 minutes, it is also... Uh... Independence Day tomorrow, so make sure you get patriotic. Go and watch some Whitney Houston singing the Star Spangled Banner at, uh, <laughs> at the Super Bowl. The greatest anthem of all time. So, love the States. Well, it is. Love the Americans. This will, in Australia, awesome. this will come out on the 4th of July. So, happy 4th yes. of July to you in Australia. Um, in the US, this will be out on the 3rd of July. You know, only it's, it's, it's here in the UK, it's <laughs> half past one. So, uh, we'll wrap this up and I'll get this out as quickly as possible. Um, but it is going to be a great Grand Prix, another sprint weekend. So, a, a double header of double sprints uh, serving. And then, of course, 
the tyre test, the mighty tyre test, the thing that I'm most excited about. Daniel Ricciardo yes. back in Formula One car in a Red Bull Racing um, 2023 car. It is going to be fantastic. Campy, a massive thank you to you, my friend. I will Cheers. chat to you after the British Grand Prix. Podcast Network.